today on Commitment to Truth. Husbands, we, if we're all honest, we struggle to love our wives like Christ does the church. Wives, your struggle will be to respect your husband as God commanded you. These are two main root struggles, root issues that we all have. In other words, when a man is respected, he then is what? Loved. And a woman is loved, she is respected. When a man truly understands how to love his wife, then she feels respected. Right? Because every woman says, I need to be respected too. Absolutely you do. But if we don't love you properly, you feel disrespected. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. So there's a foundational question we like to ask um, uh, as we head into this this part of this uh, sermon series, and it is this. Was marriage meant to be refreshing? (laughs) Some of you may say, oh, shucks, what do you mean? Is that a trick question? Was marriage meant to be refreshing? All right, we're going to answer it based upon the scripture. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 9 reads, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living person or a soul. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man who he had formed out of the ground. The Lord God caused every tree to grow that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then in Genesis 2, 18 through 14, then the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the sky and to every animal of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. He slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they, they shall become one flesh. All right, so based upon Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, and 2, verses 18 through 24, the answer is emphatically yes. Let's, but let's dig a little deeper here. Again, husbands and wives are created to help each other in hardship and even distress. It's important because our sin nature is, I'll help you when things are good. But hardship and distress. You see, the helper here means this uh, in verse 20. One who helps, it also means a succor, which is assistance and support in times of hardship and distress. Right? We'll help each other. Times are good. Distress happens. In the Bibles, it says, for better or for worse. Yep. So. Amen. A husband and wife are so much alike, they are the same substance. 
we find in verse 20. Suitable means in front of, indicates Eve's likeness to Adam. Fashioned means built, bone of my bone, substance of my substance, self of myself. You hear that? Self of myself. When you look at your spouse, you look at your husband, your wife. Well, again, let me make sure we're emphatically clear. Uh, one man, one woman for one lifetime. Mm -hmm. All right, just, just contextually speaking in today's um, uh, world. One man, one woman for one lifetime, okay? Uh, so why then is marriage sometime not refreshing, right? So we know from a theological and a biblical standpoint, God created uh, husband and wife to refresh each other, to encourage each other, to help each other. But let's, let's be real. Even in the context of the body of Christ, marriage can be, uh, or it can lack refreshment. Wouldn't you agree? All right. So again, we're laying a foundation here before we get into some real life application. So if you look at Matthew chapter 19, verses three through eight, it says, some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man should leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and, though, and, and the two shall become one. Now, remember what Jesus is saying. He said, listen, the ultimate fact and truth is you're made to be one for a lifetime. And that's never negotiable. Okay, even again, even if you're on second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth marriage, it, it still doesn't make it right. Okay, but you have God's grace that's sufficient for you. You follow me? So uh, that's why he even says in Malachi chapter two, I hate divorce. That's his extreme. That's his perfect will. I don't like it. It's not right. It's not good for you. Short term, long term. Okay, but it happens. Yeah, it's not his design, but it happens, right? And but then this is why, again, it doesn't it gets unrefreshing in the context of marriage. Verse six. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no person, which including the husband and the wife should do what? Separate it. They said to him, well, why then? Okay, did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? Now, contextually speaking, it was really because the man, she was his property back then. And if she had a, grew a mole on her cheek, he could say, ah, I want somebody else. If he just woke up one day, ah, you know, I just don't want to be with you anymore. He could just leave, okay, and choose another one. But, but enter Christ who said, nah, you're not doing that anymore. Okay, but we also understand, though, that that she also needs support. And it says the certificate of divorce was for who? The wife or for her if she was sent away. Verse eight, he said to them, because of what your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. So, does marriage sometimes become unrefreshing or is it not refreshing? Well, based upon Matthew 19, verses 3 through 8, 
something that has been united and fastened, fastened and joined together by God can be ripped apart. The word join together means to fasten to one yoke. Okay, it's not an egg yoke, but it's a yoke, a farming yoke. That a husband and wife supernaturally, and this is what we get deceived by, supernaturally, you're fastened to one yoke. And it also means to be yoked together, meaning again, uh, as two plow animals, but it also means to be united. And you can't pull against each other. Yeah. You can't get what you need, yeah. where you need to be if you're trying to pull yeah. against each other. One yoke means you're pulling in what? One direction. direction. Sometimes our hearts can be irreparably hardened. Hardness of heart means stubbornness of heart, obstinacy of heart, perverseness of heart. It indicates a man's attitude toward God and his grace when he ought to have a willing and receptive heart. So think about that. Heart can be, it can be perverse that leads to stubbornness, that leads to obstinacy. It could be obstinacy that leads to perversiveness, that leads to stubbornness. You follow me? That ultimately leads to you know what? Uh, my heart's not receptive at all anymore. That's when the marriage begins to become unrefreshing. And that's not, not only it, does your heart become hardened toward your spouse, it will become hardened toward God. Yep. Mm-hmm. And really, right, I mean, it, it, here's the challenge. When my heart is hardened towards Lisa, it is already instantaneously hardened towards God. Because she's a gift from whom? God. I'm really saying, well, God, I don't like who you gave me. Even in her idiosyncrasies, you know, not, yeah. you follow me? Yeah. Quirks, hangups, whatever. I'm saying, well, God, you didn't, you didn't fit the right person with me. You didn't fashion the right person. She's not built for me. And then I'm really saying, God, you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Make sense? So, but why then we, do we not refresh? Okay, hardness of heart, right? But then let's look at some New Testament scripture that you find, in, uh, some more New Testament scripture we find in Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going we're gonna to spend all of our rest of our time in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 31. So it then suggests this. Don't shoot the messenger. Talk to God later. <laughs> why subject yourself to your own husbands as to the Lord? For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being a savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. It continues by saying in verse 26, so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her, by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. We're going to get deeper into this, the text that we're reading for you. Ephesians 5 finishes this way. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are parts of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Before we go deeper in in, in this text, 
Isn't it amazing when you read the text audibly, how you hear it better? Believe it or not, that's why in the temple they read the text audibly. It's, it's something about you, we, reading the Bible out loud that allows it to sink in even deeper. So practice that even at home. Just read out loud. It's, it'll, it'll feel awkward and uncomfortable, right? But when you start reading it aloud, it's almost like God uses additional senses that he gives you so they can really seep in and set in. So that being said, why don't we refresh each other? Ephesians 5 gives us two key truths to help us answer this question, and we're going to answer it uh, six ways. Or two, we're going to answer the first two ways and then dig deeper in six applications. The first, you find in verse 25. Husbands, we, if we're all honest, we struggle to love our wives like Christ does the church. We know we're commanded to. But, but sometimes we just don't want to. Okay? Truth be told, sometimes our wives are not lovable. But we still have to do what? Love them. Verse 22, wives, your struggle will be to respect your husband as God commanded you. You see, these are two main root struggles, root issues that we all have. In other words, when a man is respected, he then is what? Loved. And a woman is loved, she is respected. Yep. When a man truly understands how to love his woman, his wife, then she feels respected. Right? Because every woman says, I need to be respected too. Absolutely you do. Mm -hmm. But if we don't love you properly, you feel disrespected. Mm -hmm. All right? And, and likewise, a man wants to be respected. Uh, wants to be loved, but yet you cannot bypass uh, eros, friendship, love, eros, sexual love, sec and, and, and uh, friendship love to say, well, I, I'm loving you, but you're not respecting me. Make sense? So how should refreshing your wife or husband look? Husbands must first start loving their wives like Christ does the church. Wives must start respecting our husbands as God commanded. There's no if, ands, and buts about it. That's what the word says. That's what we're supposed to do. Listen to what Ephesians 5.33 commands. Nevertheless, as for you, individually, each husband is to love his own wife the same as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So think about that whole part of the text about husband's wife ends with this. Nevertheless, in other words, I don't care what you just read or because of what we just read, I don't care what's coming after it. Nevertheless, this is what you individually got to get. Mm -hmm. Man, love her. Woman, respect, respect him. Husband, to love your wife is, is to delight in your wife. Find one's joy in someone, your wife. To condemn your life unto death, to die to self for your wife. Wives, to be subject to your husband is to submit. Then means that which means to arrange under, to yield under one's advice. It is a military, a Greek military word meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Let that 
sink in a bit. Finding your joy in someone. We have to find our joy in our wives. Christ first, but you got to like being with your wife. Not because you have to be with her, but you like to be with her. (laughs) And some guys don't like being with their wives. That's why we create man caves. Which is so primitive. It's like, okay, you're going back to the cave? You know, it's like, huh? <laughs> right? And, and, and again, ladies, take it up with Jesus when you see him face to face. But it is a voluntary attitude. It's about your attitude. Man shouldn't have to work so hard for you to be in his cohort or in his and his troop division, to know that we're fighting together, not fighting against, against each, each other. other. Mm-hmm. And that, that deflates a man so much, is that if I have to come home to always fight you. Mm-hmm. The person I went to work for, the person I will die for, why do I have to always come home to fight you? I'm fighting this person, fighting that person, fighting this person, and I got to go home and fight you? Then you know what we do? We run to the rooftop because we avoid a contentious woman. It is better to live on a rooftop, which is so weird, guys. I'll, I'll live on a rooftop where it's rainy and it's wintry and it's cold, and I just help pay for the mortgage and the rent. Yeah, we'll do something stupid that way just to avoid contention. Because I just don't want to fight. Why do I have to fight the person I love so much? Shouldn't be that way. Now, how then does this type of refreshing look? Here's six principles I'd like to give you from the the text we just read in Ephesians chapter 5. The first is this, found in verse 20. 5b. Husbands, loving your wife is to give yourself up. It's beautiful that from the very beginning of time, the command was first to the man. Uh, It is a weighty responsibility. It is sometimes unfair, guys. Sometimes it's unfair that your wife can act out, but you can't. Sometimes it's unfair that she can say whatever's on her mind, but you can't. It's unfair that sometimes she can slam doors, but you can't. Slam pots, but you can't. Right? Get upset, have an attitude, but you can't. Express herself. But you can't, right? Well, something wrong, but why are you yelling at me? Why am I yelling? I'm just expressing myself just like you. <laughs> well, you ran your voice at me. Well, you, you, the last 15 minutes, you've been raising your voice at me in that high pitch that our ears can't adjust to. <laughs> Even the dogs go run. It's like, <laughs> 
But that's, that's just the reality. But yet, nevertheless, we have to give ourselves up. The word gave here, Jesus did. He gave himself up to give into the hands of another. Not your wife. Doesn't mean you become weak and frail. But in the moment you give yourself up to Jesus, you die to yourself. You give yourself into the, into the power of, of Christ for his use. You allow yourself to be used in the moment and into the next generation. That you know what? The decision that I make right now in this argument will affect my son and my son's sons, my daughter and my daughter's daughter. Depends on how I act right now in this situation. You give yourself up. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me and it's life that I live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me, even when it's not fair. Even when your kids aren't liking you because you're standing to do what's right. Guys, it always starts with us, just as it starts with Christ's example. We must be willing to give our lives into his hands and then he empowers, to give, empowers you to give yourself up for your wife, your children, your career. It's not, it doesn't become this aimless, fruitless act because you first surrender to him. It, and here, here it is, guys. It becomes easier, believe it or not, once you give in to Jesus. It really does get easier once you give in to him because you know it's not your battle. It's not your fight. And he'd start giving you discernment. It's like, you know what? It's not really, I'm not really mad at her. It may be something God is working out in me. And you know what God would begin to show you is that he'll begin to show you the hurts that your wife has, that she's brought into her marriage. That is your responsibility to bring healing in. But it first takes you, us, we. We have to be willing to surrender all power to the most powerful one. Hello, my name is Sarah Vega, and I am the Administrative and Executive Director here at Commitment Church. I hope you've enjoyed today's message by Pastor Cedric Brown. If you didn't know, Pastor Cedric also sends out encouraging videos weekly. We call these the Weekly Wire. We can send these encouraging videos directly to you by subscribing at www.loveallnations.org. Here's an example of the encouragement you'll receive. Hey everybody, Pastor Cedric here of Commitment Community Church. And I woke up this morning thinking about blueberries. You may wonder what in the world does blueberries have to do with anything? Well, um, I used to have an impression of, as it relates to how blueberries, or all blueberries, tasted. And um, my first attempt at tasting blueberries was a bitter one. I had a bitter taste in my mouth after uh, eating the blueberries. And uh, interesting enough, God placed some people who were really good at making blueberry dishes in my life. And matter of fact, their family was a, or is still in the blueberry uh, farming business. So they made these awesome desserts. And, and, and when I tasted the blueberries uh, uh, with their desserts, it changed my whole perspective as it relates to the true taste of, of blueberries. Uh, similarly, in, in the book of Psalm, it talks about 
taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, maybe you, like I have in the past, uh, tasted a little bit of, of Christ and was, uh, it was a little bitter because maybe those people who represented Christ didn't represent him well. But as I continued to live life, I began to uh, run into many different people who prepared, if you would, the dish of Christ in a very palatable way, a way that really allowed me to taste the sweetness of Christ, the goodness of Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed the sample of our Weekly Wire. Again, to subscribe to your weekly inspiration, refreshment, and encouragement, please visit www.loveallnations.org. Thank you again for listening to our series from Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.